Hello, everybody. This is Sequence Break, episode 18, Summoning Salt. And here he is, Summoning Salt. Hey, man, how you doing? How's it going, everyone? Doing pretty well. Um, I got to ask you, so I've noticed that your screen name is, is, is um, depending on the service that you're on, if you're on Twitch or on YouTube, it's, it's sometimes spaced in between Summoning and Salt. Uh, do you have a preferred way of actually uh, seeing it on screen? Typically, I don't have a space there. There's a space on YouTube because I actually set that to my name. So like the first name is summoning, the last name is salt. Oh, I didn't set yeah. up as a username. Mm -hmm. I got it. Because that was back when like Google Plus was being forced into everything you did <laughs> on Google. So oh, yes. uh, but yeah, typically I have no space. Well, very cool. Uh, I think that uh, I, many people are probably familiar with your world record progression videos on YouTube. If you have any sort of casual interest or hardcore interest in, in speedrunning, you've probably seen a Summoning Salt world record progression video. But um, also, I was looking up your speedrun.com pro profile, and you've actually been a speedrunner of quite a few games, not just Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, which you currently have the world record in. Um, I'm curious, when did you kind of uh, start speedrunning or when did you get into speedrunning? When did that whole thing start and with what game? So my speedrunning um, interest, it, it stemmed, you know, from watching stuff on YouTube, watching like, you know, Super Mario 64 beaten in however many minutes, <laughs> stuff like that. But when I really started to get into it was around the time of AGDQ 2014. Um, I watched a handful of those runs when they happened live and then... Um, I realized that a lot of those runners actually streamed on their own accounts. And uh, there were three channels that I watched originally. I didn't have a, I didn't have a Twitch account. I didn't really know how to get to their streams easily. So all I did was I had those links memorized and I just checked them every day to see if any of them were streaming. And uh, those three channels were Andrew G, uh, who, you know, Super Mario Bros record holder, uh, Sinister One, who played Mike Tyson's Punch Out. And Mitch Flowerpower, who is the Mario 3, uh, watched and do a lot of Warpless back then. So, uh, and I watch all three of those guys still today. And uh, it's it's really cool. That's just kind of how I got into it was just by watching them. And then, uh, you know, that that turned into me being like, okay, hmm, I wonder if I can do what they're doing. Let me try playing Super Mario Bros. quickly. And uh, I tried it and I had a lot of fun with it. And it just took off from there. It's uh, it, it's great to hear some of the inspirations behind some of these things because specifically those games and those runners come up quite a bit in people's influence. And I think part of it obviously has to do with the fact that they were streaming back in 2014 when that's when I first started, started watching Games Done Quick as well. And so it's kind of the things that sparks a lot of imagination and creativity in us. But uh, is there a run that perhaps you remember from early on or something that you were just like might have, it sounds like you have these specific runners. Were, these, were those the kind of games that you wanted to attempt and to try to speed run? Um, well, to answer the first part of that, like yeah. any runs that I remember, uh, vividly, I remember, um, so I made a video about Mitch's, um, well, I guess it wasn't just Mitch, but about the Super Mario Bros. 3 any percent warpless record. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's a part in the video where I talk about, um, uh, Mitch got the first ever early hammer, no hands run, which is like a fancy term for basically meaning he got really, really, really good luck. Yes. And, uh, the reason I talked about that run so much in the video is because I think that is the first world record I remember seeing live and I remember getting really excited by it and I was like oh my god this is so cool I gotta you know I gotta do everything speedrunning now this is right. so amazing and I remember being hyped myself like more than Mitch was almost it seemed it was it was crazy but um and then yeah like of 
channels, the two games that I started really running were Super Mario Bros because it was short and easy and I could play it easily. And uh, Punch-Out actually came a while later because um, it was it's definitely a tougher run to learn. And, you know, the origins of that for me were basically just say, OK, I've seen Sinister One play this game so many times now. I wonder if I can try doing some of the things he does because I've seen it so much. And uh, yeah, I just practiced and practiced and practiced and it, it built from there. You know, it's funny, and I got to kind of congratulate you, but it's also kind of crazy. I was looking at your profile, and you have a sub five minute on SMB one, which um, I, I, I'm not sure when you started writing the game, but that's you know, it was a much smaller list than it is now, <laughs> and where your time sits on yeah. the leaderboard, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, the highest I think I ever was on that leaderboard was about fifteenth place, and now so many other people <laughs> have run it that I'm down to like sixtieth place. So. <laughs> It still that blows game's my mind. exploded, dude. It really has, and it's it still blows my mind that like sub five minutes is just kind of like a standard for that speed run now. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, like over a hundred people have it, and I remember uh, when I I remember the first time I looked at the Super Mario Bros. leaderboard, four people had a sub five. <laughs> that was it. So it's insane what's happened. That's crazy. Uh- I'm curious when you got started in uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, um, where how many people like what was the leaderboard like at that point? Uh, you mentioned that Sinister was kind of one of the inspirations there, and what was the leaderboard like at that point? So uh, we're talking like mid to late 2014 here, and back then there were essentially three people who had done a video recorded run of Punch Out, oh, wow. to my knowledge. Um, Sinister One was the record holder. Um, Zallard One, who you guys probably know from all the amazing things he does at GDQ events. Um, he was pretty close behind him. And then uh, this guy named Kananaphone, who played the game on emulator. And it, it, he's just a really interesting runner, because at one point he held a world record for the most random fight in the game, Don Flamenco 2. But he never put too much time into running the whole game. But anyway, the whole point is the community was really small back then. And uh, you know, now it went from three runners to we're up to over 40 now. So that's something at least. And, and yeah, it, it, it's kind of insane and crazy where the game has gone. Uh, the, one of the things I noticed uh, right away is that um, it, the uh, the most popular category is category is considered single segment. And would you mind just briefly telling us a little bit what a single segment run is? Because I, I don't think we were so familiar with the any percents and 100 percents and things like that. What is a single segment run? Yeah, single segment, it means the same thing as any percent, where you're just getting through the whole game as fast as you can. But uh, the origin of the name is because Animals Archive, the website that you know some of you guys have probably heard of and are familiar with, it's kind of out of fashion nowadays, but it used to be this web um, where you could go submit your runs in like a really high-quality format, and they'd verify them, and they'd be published on their website and get a lot of attention. And um, Punch-Out! back then had a couple different types of runs there was a segmented run where you there's four different circuits in punch out which is just a group of fighters and a segmented run was you'd put your four fastest segments you could get like you'd record one segment over and over and then submit that and then your next segment record that over and over and submit that and that was called a segmented run putting all of those runs back to back and then uh, from that it developed into a single segment run where the whole game was completed in one segment um, and that's what we run today. And it's, it's, yeah, it's just the same thing as any percent. This is kind of a, I think a loaded and an open-ended question, but what, what, uh, if you can maybe bring it simply like, or not, maybe not simply, what makes the run so challenging? What makes Mike Tyson's punch out so unique and so challenging? Um, 
it's interesting because I think of Punch Out as one of you know how like most speedruns, like you know Super Mario Bros, for instance, the, the the phrase we always use is like easy to learn but hard to master. Punch Out, I almost want to say, is the exact opposite, where learning every strat for every fighter is really hard, but once you're at the top level, maintaining consistency, I think, is easier than in other games. Um, and I think the reason it's so hard to learn is. Um, well, A, it's different from most other speedruns. It's, it's it's a boxing game, but it's kind of a puzzle game and a timing and rhythm game at the same time. Um, there's a lot of different strategies you have to use. There's so many you have to remember for different situations that come up. And also just timing of the punches is really precise. Um, and I could probably get into that in detail a bit more later. But uh, the Mike Tyson fight, last one in the game. And the whole fight, you're just trying to land as many frame-perfect punches as you can which means a punch that you have a 60th of a second to time. So that's uh, that gives you an idea of how precise we're looking here and stuff like that kind of carries through all throughout the run. If you don't mind touching upon that a little bit, um, I I mentioned to you that I had watched the uh, the commentary you did on your Twitch channel. You have a commentary track to the current world record run. And first of all, what is the current world record time? And uh, what 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 is what what happens in that fight that makes it that got a sub fifteen? Like how did that how that barrier get broken? Um, so yeah, current record is fourteen fifty five point two five. There are a few interesting things to talk about for that record, but uh, basically the way it's worked is that every four years the punch out record has, or every five years rather, the punch out single segment record has gone down under a minute barrier. <laughs> so in 2010, uh, Sinister One got the first ever sub 17, and then in 2015, Zallard got the first ever sub 16, and now here we are in 2020 getting the first sub 15. And you know, if you went back five years ago and asked Zallard, you know, he would have said that time was definitely impossible. But <laughs> the big thing that made that run possible, there's two big things. Um, the first one is that we're just more consistent on Tyson at the end now because it's become easier over time to land all the frame perfect punches in the row because the timing is the same for every punch. You just need to do it a bunch to get really, really good at it and consistent. So, you know, back then at 2.30 at the end of a run, uh, on Tyson would be considered good, but now if you want to get a really good time, you want you know like a two ten or a two fifteen, um, and yeah, fourteen. The other part to that record to get a fourteen fifty five, anything under sub fifteen was this thing called the Hippo Manipo, which um, it's RNG manipulation for the King Hippo fight, which used to be the most random fight in the game, just about, and it killed like eighty percent of the runs that got there. The, the fifth fight in the game. You need him to open his mouth three times on any on every punch. Um, any for every punch, he could either open his mouth or not open his mouth, and it's random if he does or not. And you need him to open his mouth three times to beat him. And uh, these two guys named Lukendor and Zoxox figured out a way to make him always open his mouth on uh, the first punch and potentially extend that to the second and third punches as well. So that just opened up this. You know, huge new era of punch out where we could get so many runs deep into the game without needing to keep resetting on hippo. So those two things, I think, were the biggest factors to getting sub 15. How was a strat like the the hippo manipulation discovered? Because it still blows my mind that these frame windows were discovered and all these, you know, specific timing. How was that discovered? And they looked at the code of the game to to find it. They they looked at the RNG memory values for every input you press. 
Um, I'm not going to get you know too in detail <laughs> about every little way that makes it work, but sure. essentially there's these RNG watches that are tracking your inputs. Oh my gosh! And figured out that as long as you're not pressing these two buttons, as long as you're not pressing right or up, um, the value actually, and that's one of the two values needed to control uh, how Hippo opens his mouth. So they figured out as long as you're not pressing those buttons and you get to Hippo on the exact same time, then he will open his mouth on the first punch. It's still, it's crazy, but also awesome that things like that were discovered. And I assume when you say they, you mean like uh, tassers or people who are looking, people who are strat hunting, those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, uh, the two guys, Lukendor and Zox Sox, they they were the guys who kind of uncovered everything for the trick. That's uh, really awesome, and it's it's pretty cool to see it in practice in the fight. If you if you end up watching the world record of this currently, you'll see the strat in action. <laughs> and is is there any way of knowing that you've executed the hippo manipulation correctly? Uh, obviously, the mouth opens on time, but is there any way of knowing that you've done the input correctly uh, when you at the five minute mark? Yeah, the way I do it is I use a video because um, oh. the the second part of the manipo is getting to the fight within an eight frame window. So the fight starts on the same frame because of the way that game time stuff. And uh, the way that I do that is when I reset the game, I am starting a video and that video, um, it, it at five minutes into that video exactly, which is when you need to press start on hippo to get the manipulation to work. Um, the video will start a hippo fight. And if all what's on your TV screen is perfectly in sync with uh, the video on my laptop, then I know that I have done it correctly and I should be able to get uh, past Hippo. Oh, that's itch. That's fast. That reminds me of uh, Mitch's uh, RNG manipulation for uh, the early hammer nips when he was doing those, those strats. Yeah, it's like that, but quite a bit easier because <laughs> Mitch has like a one or two frame window several times in a row and all we need to do is an eight frame window once. So. Got it. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, the, the you know you early on you mentioned the the thing about is kind of the reverse about how it's kind of easy to be consistent and learn not kind of easy but there's a, a clear path to learn the strats to play this game at a, at a you know at the the, the fastest levels. Um, is that do you think that that might contribute to being able to do these blindfolded runs that we've seen and that you you've made a, a video about as well? I think blindfolded is quite a bit different from um, single segment with your eyes open. Um, the whole the whole reason blindfolded works is really because of how good the sound cues are in the game. Um, you know, when they're winding up, you could usually hear them. But well, for some punch, at least you could hear them. But other than that, you know, it's it's you know knowing how the fighters work, knowing what their patterns are, what punches they can throw when, and then uh, the buffer strategies that I talked about in the video, where you chain inputs together so that they arrive on the correct frames to to hit the fighters and knock them down. So it's, it's a lot of different things that go into blindfolded. You know, there's, there's, the run I find like just absolutely incredible that you've done, but on the, on the, you know, towards the end, you mentioned during your commentary that th- there is time to save uh, in the run. Where do you, where are those, t- where's that time coming from? And, and what do you think real, it might be RTA viable at this point? Um, so <laughs> it's very interesting because in the past month or so, since I've gotten that record, um, I myself and uh, the aforementioned Zox Sox, who helped with the Hippo Manipo, we've been working together to calculate essentially the exact odds in getting a f- whatever time I want for the game. Because <laughs> you can calculate the odds in getting each time on each fighter, because it's it's known that you know 
you know, bald bull. He has a 50% chance of giving you a star on this punch, which is like an uppercut you could hit him with. And he has a 25% chance of getting up with this health refill. And if you combine those, that's a 12.5% chance of getting this time. You could do that for every single fight in the game. Um, And then estimate what your odds are in getting a good Tyson fight. And essentially what we've concluded is getting under a 1450, so getting a 1440 something, assuming I execute perfectly, is about a 1 in a 1000 chance. Um, That is where I want to take the run to. I want a 1440 something. And uh, the time save for that would mainly come from the last two fights where I got suboptimal luck, uh, Macho and Tyson. I could save about five seconds each on both of them for better luck. Um, and potentially you could go even lower. I think Zoxox ran a million simulations or, and I think it was when he did a hundred thousand simulations, there was a single run that ended at 1429. So, you know, you never know. It can go quite a bit lower. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, you know, I hear that number. I, I think one in a thousand, like that's insane. That's crazy. But then again, you're probably putting, I mean, it's it, for a speedrunner, a thousand attempts isn't that crazy. I mean, that's pretty reasonable, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Punch out, it takes a bit longer to do a reset because you hardly ever reset before King Hippo, which mm-hmm. is five minutes into the run. Got it. And nowadays that we're getting past Hippo with the Hippo Manipo, you know, we, we're typically not resetting before halfway through the game, yeah. at least if you're going for the record. Mm-hmm. So attempts take several minutes. So getting doing a thousand attempts will take probably like close to a year if I'm doing it <laughs> semi-regularly. But yeah, it maybe not quite that long, but it'll take a long time. So it, it's it'll be tough. Uh, before we move on, I do want to touch upon the Tyson fight because um, I, I, that's the thing I hear quite often, how different the Tyson fight is. Anytime you watch a game as a cook, you hear about how, how the Tyson fight is so different than the rest of the run. What is it that is so different <laughs> about the Tyson fight and what makes it so such a big part in a challenge of this run? For a lot of the fights in Punch-Out before Tyson, um, they, there's so many different patterns they could do, so many different punches they can throw so many different health refills they can up, get up with and for mike tyson the difference is his fight is really simple he's always going to throw uppercuts he's always going to get up with the same amount of health his pattern's always going to be relatively the same other than the few delays he can do between his punches the difference with tyson is that he's so much harder to execute perfectly than every other fight because because of the fact that you need to land frame perfect punches um 60th of a second to time them and, you know, compared to a fight like Super Macho Man, which is right before Tyson, where he has, you know, literally dozens of different patterns he can give you, but none of them are that difficult to execute. There's no super precise punches or anything like that. So Tyson, he's simple, but he's so much harder than any other fight before him that it, it feels almost like you're playing something different at the end. You mentioned the amount of frame perfect inputs you made to do the fight as it's currently stands in the world record. How many are actually needed to do the fight in a, a, a ideally perfect? <laughs> um, for a perfect Tyson fight, the world record on Tyson is two minutes and one second. That fight had, I believe, 19 frame perfect punches. Wow. Let's see, not I've got nine, then five, and then seven. That's insane. So, oh, 21, rather. Okay, 21 frame perfect punches. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Um, and you know, that sounds hard and it is hard. I want to say after I played punch out at a high level for five years now and fought Tyson so many times, it's not as hard as it sounds because I have 
probably landed literally hundreds of thousands of frame perfect punches <laughs> over the years. So I've had so much practice getting the timing down. It's not that hard, but um, yeah, to beat the Tyson record now, really, it, it, the luck is so much more important than the execution because you need a pattern from him where he doesn't delay at all. So, so uh, I, I got to tell you, it's pretty uh, wild to hear that you you are still you still want to continue to bring your time down. Um, what you know, realistically, how does the grind work for you? Is it something you return to uh, every day, or you want to you know just when you feel the? How does it work <laughs> to return to Mike Tyson and try to bring this uh this this time down? Yeah, I go through phases. You know, there's times when I just every day I'm like, all right, I want to play punch out. I want to try to <laughs> beat the record, and that's how it was when I was trying to get under 15 minutes i couldn't play every day but i wanted to nice and uh, i did as often as i could and now it's like you know i kind of want to keep going but also i could try just fighting tyson instead to try to lower that record or i could play some other game like math blaster which is this other game that i used to hold the record in that's really <laughs> dumb but um yeah it it comes and goes and i think the trick is to just try to not burn myself out because that's easy to do with a game as random as punch out so I think it's a pretty great, and it's. I got to tell you, as a fan, it's been great to watch um, all of the top runners run, continue to run this game. I mean, we can sinister one, Zallard one, you. you uh, there, it doesn't seem. It always seems like there at some point this game is going to come back up with the rotation, and I think that's pretty awesome. That just like any great speed run, it's it's always undone. There's always going to be the next time, you know. Yeah, it's amazing too. We're still finding new strategies. Um, literally, just a few few days ago, the runner for this this game uh, named McHazard he found a new strategy on bald bull where I can theoretically save over seven seconds in that fight over what I have in the 1455 so Whoa. you know new stuff's just getting found all the time even now which is just remarkable that we're still able to find stuff so that helps keep it fresh and keep it new for sure well, and that's uh, something that's uh, this year has just been. Uh, if you're any sort of fan or, or casual observer of the speedrunning community, game some of the most popular games are being broken in new ways left and right. Games that have been run for years now, especially the Zeldas and things like that. And uh, it's it, it's first of all super exciting and fun to watch. But on the flip side of that, I think that's uh, kind of this product of so many people coming to speedrunning, which it only makes your game better. It only you only the only th when you get more people, you find these new strats and things like. That's like that. pretty awesome. Yeah, I would have to agree. It you know, speedrunning is always getting bigger. It's all it almost seems like exponential growth. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were talking about Super Mario Brothers earlier, and you know, six years ago there were probably only 20, 25 people running the game. And I think now we're up to about a thousand. So every year it just keeps growing. It's it's crazy. Well, and I, you know, I'm not uh yeah, that's, we'd have to look at data and things like that, but I honestly think that your world record progression videos have actually kind of contributed to that growth, as you can see by the popularity of them on YouTube. And uh, that's, you know, I think it's it shows you, you can you, we have tangible numbers to see the growth of uh, some of uh, the speed running in the community and all those kind of things. Uh, when did you kind of get interested in content recreation and what led you to create your first world record progression video? Um, it all ends up coming back to punch out. Uh, <laughs> if you go on YouTube and type in um, Sinister One Piston Honda 2 Strategy Evolution, you will find this hour and a half long video <laughs> by Sinister One where he talks about um, the evolution of the world record on Piston Honda 2 character and punch out. 
um, over the course of like 10 years, how people brought it lower. Um, but the way he did it was just on a live stream. He, mm. he showed all these different videos. He talked about the strategies, went on for over an hour. Then he had a Q&A at the end for like half an hour. <laughs> so it was really interesting to me as a punch out runner hearing all this stuff. But I recognize that probably most people wouldn't be too interested in it. And then I realized, okay, I don't know how to video edit, but if I learned and if I was to make a video just like this, but condense it down and only have the interesting stuff like the fights themselves and quickly talking about the strategy, I could probably make this whole video in 15 minutes and it would be quite a bit more interesting to the average viewer. So I did that for Mike, Mike Tyson, the last fight in the game. I talked about that fight's world record history. Um, and after I made it, I got really, really positive feedback and about 4,000 views on YouTube, which at the time was just insane for me. I was like, whoa, 4,000 people watched that and liked it. That's amazing. And uh, long story short, after I made a bunch of others, that video is at about 1.1 million views today. So, so it caught on. It, it's crazy for to hear that you, you, know, you didn't have any experience or that you had to teach yourself video editing and, and everything. Because one of the things I think is pervasive throughout all of the videos I've watched that you've produced, uh, the storytelling is really strong. The, the elements of, of introducing it and, and, and making it easy for anybody to understand, whether you're a speedrunner or not, are just really strong. And I, I, I've, I've watched the video you're, you're talking about. I've watched, I think I've watched probably all of your videos more than once. And the, 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 those elements still existed. Um, did you think about how to construct a story or anything like the storytelling elements of that while you were doing this? Or was this just something to get the information? Like, what was kind of your approach early on? Yeah, for the first video, um, I remember in like October 2016, I started working on it. And I made this Google document that I think I still have where I broke down each section of the video and put what I want to talk about in each little part. Um, all the way through the entire video. And um, I ended up abandoning that first draft because I tried to edit in Windows Movie Maker, oh, geez. which unless you're making like a slideshow, <laughs> don't ever use Movie Maker. <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, yeah, and then like two or three months later, I came back to it with uh, this editing software called Movavi, which oh. is better, but you know, still not ideal. And... Um, I, I, I did try to focus on the storytelling part of it. I knew I wanted to put a montage in the middle where Sinister lowered his record yeah. set to uh, Gonna Fly Now from Rocky. And I did do that, so that was cool. Um, but a lot of it, I just I think I developed over time from making so many of these videos and just deciding, okay, I think this part would be cool if I just had it fade in silently and just showed what happened at the end and showed his reaction. And over the course of three years now, I've trial and error i think i figured out how to you know really tell a good story uh, there's there are many things that i think work so well in all the videos but one of the things that i i like that you do as well it's is that you do show some of the challenges and also uh, at times you show some of the near misses and I, I I really appreciate it because it really shows kind of the, and highlights sometimes the struggles of speed running. And sometimes where we come so close and, you know, like just recently I died on the last hit of the last boss on Rondo of Blood. And it's like, I, I can feel the pain that sometimes some of these runners go through. Um, what, how do you go about researching this and how long does that process take? Um, the researching, the research for my videos has also evolved over time. Um, like when I first started, my third video was on Super Mario 64. And that was the first video that I actually 
didn't already have the whole history in my head because mm. I, I I had seen Mario sixty four runs, but I didn't know the history. So my entire research essentially consisted of finding a website that listed all of the world records. And then essentially just going from there and looking at the runs and being like, huh, looks like he went faster. Cool. <laughs> and I talked a little bit with Cheese, who was the world record holder then and is still the record holder now. But I think he was the only guy I talked to, and I probably sent like five messages total to him. So um, basically, my research was just horrible back then. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to research for one of these videos. <laughs> they still turned out okay just because... I just because the stories were naturally so cool, like right. they're for Mario 64, Punk K missed the record like three times in a row due to an invisible wall that he couldn't even see at the very end of the last stage. So, so stuff like that. But and now, you know, it's evolved over time to now for unless I already know a lot about the history of the topic I'm covering, which nowadays happens more and more just because I enjoy making those types of videos more. If it's a game I don't know anything about, like the Castlevania, I had no idea about the history of that game. What I typically do is I invite three or four members of the community to a Discord server, and I just, you know, over the course of a month, two months, we go back and forth talking, putting, I, and I put all this information into a Google document with notes for every single run. Um, and that process, you know, like I said, six weeks, something like that. Just, back and forth, asking them questions. Um, a lot of times just having them tell me what what's important about each run and what I should talk about. I really rely on other people for these videos. Like, you know, I people say like, oh my God, how do you find all this info? And it, it all comes from other people. Like I, I, I couldn't tell you how people do the two, two cycle critical hit on the end at, at Dracula at the end of Castlevania. So it, this information all came from other people. Um, and yeah. I get info from them, put it into a Google document that often ends up being 10 plus pages long and then uh, convert that into a script, which also ends up being 10 plus pages long usually. <laughs> and, uh, and then record it and video edit to the best of my ability. Uh, I love that you're giving credit to, to people because I, I have noticed that the uh, the amount of people you thank at the end of your videos has definitely uh, grown as the <laughs> as the yeah. years have gone by. Uh, I also think, you know, I'm friends with Mitch. And when you talk to him about like Mario 3, like he just knows a he's so passionate and geeky about the game that it's great to talk to the people who run these things because a lot of times they know who did what and what, how it came about and things like that. Yeah, Um the thing is, for a lot of these videos, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, how do you find all this info? I can't find it anywhere on the Internet. And the truth is, it's out there. All this information is out on the Internet, yep. but it's usually in the heads of people that <laughs> haven't written it down anywhere. So that's what I think my videos are able to do. And I'm really happy that they're at least providing a consistent source of information that wasn't out there on the Internet before now. Uh, for those who, who are writers, and I, I might have fancied myself a writer at one point, but definitely have abandoned it <laughs> years ago. Um, how long does it take you to convert all that to a script that you're going to end up recording and putting in a video? I usually write the script as I go. Oh, so cool. I'll, I'll write, you know, three paragraphs or so and then record that, edit it, um, and then write a little more of the script, edit it, and then keep going in two to three minute chunks all the way until the video is done. So just writing the script, it's how long that takes. Uh, but I would say 
doing the research definitely takes a lot longer than converting it into a script. Um, partially just because I probably don't edit my scripts as much as I should, <laughs> but also just because finding out the information is really tricky and it takes a lot of time so that I can understand everything I need to know to explain it. M makes a lot of sense. One of the things that, like I said, I mentioned it before, but I really appreciate how uh, Castlevania is a great example. I had never played a Castlevania game until I, I saw your most recent video on, on Castlevania. And it, I understood what was happening because of how simply things were presented. And I appreciated that quite a bit. Like, in fact, I ended up playing three Castlevania games because of it. I just, it looked like it was, hey, I want to try this. This seems cool. Uh, so I, I really appreciate that. And I, obviously, I think there was obviously got to be some editing that goes along into that. Um, when you've kind of got a video that you're in getting close to happy with, do you share that with anyone? Do you do what's like your review process? Yeah, so I have a, a Discord server with uh, moderators that essentially uh, act as my um, editors and my checkers and people who are able to tell me this part doesn't make much sense or I think you should change this or or just when I get excited about a part of the video, I send it to them and I'm like, oh my god, look how cool this part is. And uh, they, I usually rely on them for a lot of that sort of stuff, but also the people who I'm working with, like uh, Castlevania, I relied on a lot of the people who helped me make that video. I sent it to, I sent parts of it to them and we're like, all right, what do you, you know, does this all make sense? Am I explaining all this correctly? Um, and that was something that I used to not do as much as I should, because, you know, look at some of my older videos, uh, Mario 64 again, that's one that I just made it and was like, all right, cool, let me upload it now nothing I need to do in between, right? That, nothing could go wrong here. And <laughs> it turned out that video was like riddled with errors and a ton of stuff, partially because I didn't research, but partially because I also didn't have people proof watch it. So, so yeah, now I have a, you know, a decent amount of people who are able to check it for me and yeah. That's very cool that, uh, that's, that, that, that's part of the process. Cause uh, it's, uh, I wouldn't know any different to tell you Austin, but uh, the people in the SM64 community are going to, I'm sure going to be all over it. They're going to know <laughs> right yeah, away. Know. Th those are the harshest critics of these videos are the people who are in the community. You can tell when, you know, anything's not accurate. And and that's a, that's the one thing I think I appreciate is that like, uh, especially nowadays, I, I know that there, at least I assume that there's been some sort of process uh, to get this here. Cause you thank all these people who are, you know, usually have world record times, things like that. Yeah. Right. It's, <laughs> and usually all those people end up, watching parts of or all the video before it's uploaded so makes sense uh you know i that, that kind of leads to the next question which there, if there's one inevitability of speedrunning is that it's going to evolve it's going to change it's going to improve things are going to happen uh, and you've a lot of your videos have been on some of the most uh, you know highly competitive speedruns <laughs> that exist um do you ever consider updating or changing or doing something on the same time like how do, have you, does that does that even cross your mind once you've released a video yeah, so I definitely have thought about um, either updating or redoing old videos before. Um, the few I have a few concerns about doing that, though, partially just because I have a pretty big subscriber base now that might not be interested in seeing a video I've already done before. Makes sense. Um, and I, you know, people tell me all the time, it's like, oh, dude, we'll watch whatever. It's fine. But now, people will say that, but will that actually happen? I don't know. So, <laughs> but what my plan has been is that sometime in the future, I'm just going to go and redo some of my older videos and at the end also talk about the stuff that's happened since then. 
um, especially videos where stuff was inaccurate, like Mario 64 mm -hmm. or uh, Super Metroid was one where I don't think I went in enough detail as I should. Like, like I made a 55 minute video about <laughs> Castlevania, which is an 11 minute long yeah. run. Meanwhile, Super Metroid is like a 50 minute long run and the whole video is only 23 minutes long. So <laughs> probably going to redo that one at some point and make it longer and more detailed. But yeah, the plan is I'm not just going to update videos with what's happened since I'm planning to go back and redo them from scratch. I think that's that's pretty cool. That's awesome that uh, you're even considering doing that because it, it, it's tough. Uh, I got to imagine to <laughs> cover a topic of like speed reading where it changes so quick. Is there a... Is there a, what's like the soonest or the quickest a world record has been broken that came out in one of your uh, progression videos? <laughs> That's a funny question. Sonic Adventure 2 Battle definitely holds the record for that. Um, I uploaded it July something 2018. And uh, after the world record holder watched the video, he decided to do some world record attempts <laughs> that same day, same day. And he broke the record by like 20 seconds in that stream what so is... literally four hours i think after the video came out it was outdated <laughs> oh awesome so, perfect perfect timing that was fun yeah <laughs> oh that's so cool um you know i i uh i before i contacted you for the podcast interview i i joined your uh your discord that you have and it's really cool first of all the the, the gathering of people it seems i was really uh noticed the respect and the and how nice everyone is in the discord server but you do have a a place you know about topics and things like this how is there is there a, a formula or a process you use to pick the next topic or is it things that you're interested in like how do you decide what's going to be the next video you try um there's a lot of different things that go into it lately if you look <laughs> at the topics i've covered they have largely been stuff i already know about like how many of my recent videos have been about mario kart probably like three or four in the last <laughs> year and a half or super mario bros or punch out all games that i run um a lot of them especially lately have been topics that i know a decent amount about already um because a i think i could tell a better story when i already know about everything and don't need to spend as much time researching and learning um and b it's just it's easier it's nicer to be able to spend you know three weeks on research instead of eight so um, for everything that goes into it, it, it largely just ends up being what I feel like doing, but I also take into consideration what other people want. Um, you know, I know a lot of people want me to do Zelda games at Ocarina of Time, but truth be told, I am not a huge Zelda fan. Sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> You've I, just disappointed like thousands of people. <laughs> no, I'm just it's kidding. possible I'm just kidding. I've never really played a Zelda game before, maybe, so, um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not like ruling them out, but oh, sure. also there's a reason why I've only done one Zelda video over the last three years that I've been making these. So, yeah. No, totally understandable. And that's, I, th I think that's, I, I, it's funny you mentioned that because I wasn't surprised at all when I looked up your runs that you had done and seen, you know, that you were a Mario Kart runner, that you were a Mario runner because of the fact that the videos are, th there's a certain passion to them. It's obvious that you care about the games that you're doing videos on, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, it's it's a balance. I need a strike too between just what I'm interested in and what other people want to see. And I know that as I go on, I'm not going to be able to just do Mario games because I'm well, one people are going to get sick of it, but also I'm going to run out eventually. So I try to space it out. You know, put put the Castlevanias, put the Sonic Adventure two battles, the Metroids stuff in there that people also want to see. 
Oh, it's, uh, I think it's great that we have these things. And I, I, I'm so thankful that you're, you make these videos that you do because they really highlight some, uh, gameplay that I, you know, before I started watching speedruns, I didn't even know some of this stuff was possible. And it's, it's really awesome to see, uh, high level runners do what they do at the highest of levels, uh, and be so, uh, and see it highlighted in a way that, uh, if you ever wanted to know about a game, you can look up one of your videos and, and, and get a really great foundation before you go watching speedruns live or things like that to see what actually goes on uh yeah um that's that's one thing that i've heard a lot of people say about my videos i think is um they like that they they're not necessarily huge speedrunning fans they just like that they can get the highlights of it and the points of it that they want to see without having to watch every single attempt but still getting the idea of what goes into the run so. It's a real challenge sometimes to like look up historic runs. And I, and I only say challenge because how do I put together, you know, how did this work in a sequence? And even that, you know, the SRC uh, site is not always the most conducive. You can look at obsolete runs and things like that, but it doesn't highlight it the way that you do it. And so every time I, I, I discover a new game that you've done a video on, I, I just, I, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's entertaining, but it also, it's super informative. It's just, it's a great way to appreciate what's been done. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. That's that's my goal. You know, I want to want to get the the information out there in hopefully an entertaining way that will draw people to the community. So, uh, one quick question, and I have to be, I, you know, I noticed that you uh, you participated in the classic games done quick uh, anniversary that they had. Was there uh, were you nervous at all about doing a live marathon? Had you done one before? Yeah, I was definitely nervous. Uh, I I've done a few marathons before in in twenty seventeen. I think uh, there was the Hurricane Harvey relief done quick that GDQ did, which is a marathon that a lot of people don't even know that no. it happened because it's not on YouTube anywhere. Oh, no. And they don't really talk about it anymore. And the only place my run exists is in the past broadcast section of <laughs> Games Done Quick's Twitch page. Easy to find. So I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if they're ever planning on doing anything with that. But no. um, yeah, in 2017, I did uh, a run there, which was also just punch out single segment that I was pretty nervous for. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've also done some punch out tournaments before. Um, nowhere near on the scale of games done quick level, but um, I've done a few live runs before, so I was nervous, but you know, I, I'd been there. That's one of the places I started with some of the research, and I appreciated that. Uh, you know, it's you, once again you talk everything out, and you, it's a really it was some really great insight. So if you're at all interested, I encourage you all to check it out because it's a it's a good run, but also there's a lot of interesting commentary that goes along with it. That's just slightly different than uh, what's on the world record commentary. Um, if people want to find your work, and they've never seen it before. <laughs> I know it's kind of silly, but where can people find you? Uh, YouTube, Twitch, uh, give it a little shout out there. Yeah, everything is just under summoning salt. Um, on YouTube, it's two words, and on Twitch, Twitter, it's all one word. Um, but I don't think you'd have too much trouble finding it. Um, I don't really tweet too much because I don't know. I'm just not too into it. Like, I get check Twitter, but I don't really post that much. Um, and I stream on Twitch semi regularly. It just kind of depends what my schedule is, what I have going on, and it's, it's usually punch out nowadays. And then uh, YouTube, I try to only upload world record progression stuff. So that comes out every two or three months. So I remember watching the grind, most recent grind on Twitch, and uh, there were days where, you, or there were time periods where you were going almost every day. But then, you know, I know real life and all that kind of stuff gets in the way. So, but it was, it's, it was, it's yeah. a lot of fun to watch the grind. There's a yeah, lot of resets. It's, <laughs> it's funny, like some days, even that I'm resetting, like over and over again. It's, it's, I'm still having fun talking with people in chat and everything. So it's, it's all, it's all fun.
Awesome. Well, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate your time and uh, good luck on the uh, the Mike Tyson punch out runs coming up. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm going to need it. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. If you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe, leave a review. All those things go a long way to helping out the podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, I'm on Twitter at LatMackey, or you can also join the LatMackey Discord, where we have a sequence break channel. We talk about guests. We have questions. It's really interactive, really fun. Please feel free to stop on by. Thanks so much. See you in the next one.